We are back here on Inside LAFC. Hello, everyone. I am Max. Not the busiest week for the club, as we set a very high standard in recent weeks with player movements and signings and big news, etc. I can tell you some big news is on the horizon, so stay tuned. We will be here to break it all down with regards to LAFC. We did have some news from the league uh, at the end of last week with regards to, as we touched on the last podcast, the ratification of the collective bargaining agreement. So it's upwards and onwards. This is going to go all the way through 2027. So we don't have to talk about this, which, you know, we want everyone to be whole. We want the players to get their fair share, but we're also happy we don't have to have these discussions because it, it really, it, it, it stops everything in its tracks, but this, it's an important process. There's no doubt about it. For the players association to have their voice and for the MLS to have their voice and for them to sit together and flesh it out but what came of it was and i don't think we talked about it is the start date for preseason which is now march 8th that'll be for the majority of major league soccer clubs some teams have games earlier so toronto fc can start their preseason camp february 24th march the 1st atlanta columbus philadelphia and portland start because they'll be involved in Concacaf champions league which will be starting up pretty soon I know it's still a, a sore subject for many, including the guests <laughs> I should have mentioned at the beginning, the guests we have on. This is always my favorite show. This is, I believe, the third time we've had him. Is John Thorrington, the general manager and co-president of the club, who is a remarkable resource because you can talk football with him. You can talk business with him. He is generally an open book. Not everything is for public consumption. We know that. But he is of the thousands of people I, I spoke to about this sport. John's right at the top of the list because of that. And he's just, he's a lovely guy. And, uh, you know, I actually saw him out the other day and saw him and he was, he was just very gracious as always. So we will talk to John here. You will want it because I, I asked him about everything, everything that's happened over the last month, six weeks or so with regards to the club. And there has been a lot, but getting back to where I left off, the CONCACAF Champions League, obviously, uh, Tigres getting to the final and losing narrowly to Bayern Munich was 1-0, and the goal that was scored was uh, a controversial one. So it was reviewed. And now the CONCACAF Champions League starts, and I'll be pulling for these MLS teams, maybe a little less for Portland, but if they make it, I'm pulling for them because MLS's success in that, regardless of the club, is good for us at LAFC. And... Maybe someone has a shot. I looked at the draw. I, I tend to think Atlanta, who's got a new manager, who I regard very highly in Gabriel Heinze, and they've made some great signings. Santiago Sosa is uh, a guy that is going to be really impressive in this league as a deep-lying midfielder who can distribute the ball as good as the top guys we have in this league. So getting back to the preseason start dates, March 8th, which will be here in less than three weeks, is when we will get going. And April 17th, which was originally April 3rd and 4th pushed back, uh, will be the start date for the season. And the news there, and I'll talk to John about this as well, is that the end of the regular season is November the 7th. And this is going to be a season with a fine-tooth comb, and we hope there are no entanglements with regards to covid because that could throw things out of whack if teams have to make up games. Because if you just do the math from April 17th to November 7th, if it's going to be 34 games, you're going to have a lot of weeks with two games in a week. 
Um, teams are going to be stretched a lot, especially with international duty, with the Gold Cup in the summer and then World Cup qualifying for everyone starting a little bit after that. So there's going to be <laughs> this. I'll, I'll, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of games, a lot happening. We expect the pushback for April 17th also to accelerate the possibility of fans being back there. And obviously that's what all the owners want. That's what everyone wants. That's what the fans wants, obviously. And if the season gets pushed back games, hopefully and with the rollout of the vaccination by maybe the summer, I mean, there's some places now I, I heard the Barclays center in Brooklyn, New York is going to allow fans in and that's an indoor facility. And that is uh, a place that's been hit was hit pretty hard by COVID and the restrictions were tight, but they're, they had a football game, the Buffalo Bills in the playoff allows some supporters. So I'm not saying that's us here just yet, but maybe a cue can be taken and we can see it happening sooner. And I don't want to give a date because I don't know, but I'd like to think early summer, uh, at least a rollout of some fans, but we shall see. So the, the pushback date is complicated because of the less time you have to play games, but it does help accommodate the chance where we can have fans at Bank of California Stadium and all MLS venues throughout. So there you go. You're up to speed. It's going to be intensive, but it's going to be a fun ride. We're just excited. We have something to look forward to and build up towards. I did want to touch on, I mentioned Santiago Sosa, and this is a story I'm, I was really intrigued in the off season. I, you know, we were in the midst of these CBA negotiations and teams are signing players, which gives you optimism that the CBA, we weren't going to face a lockout. But there were some really intriguing signings around the league and with regards to South American players. And I want to get Felipe Cardenas back on here. I saw him on Extra Time talking about the level of player coming into Major League Soccer. And it's going to help the entire perception of the league. Four guys signing in the last 10 days or so. I'll try and do them in chronological order. We talked about Brenner, who... FC Cincinnati signed for $13 million from Sao Paulo in uh, Brazil. Sao Paulo now coached by Hernan Crespo. And Brenner was the first to come. Then Tomas Pochettino, which was the guy that Austin FC and former uh, Inside LAFC guest Al Rate uh, calls the shots there, I think. Uh, Tomas Pochettino is a guy that uh, is going to really translate well. I watch a lot of South American football, just f complete transparency. That's the first leagues I did when I got into this business back in 1997. <laughs> 1997. Oh, well, that's dusty in here. Anyhow, um, that's first did, and I still call Libertadores and Sudamericana games. So uh, I get to see it a lot, and I'm a big believer, and it's – it's a conveyor belt that I think we should put on it to a higher gear. So Thomas Pochettino who played at Talleres in Argentina, real good player. So you have Brenner, Thomas Pochettino, then Santiago Sosa to me is probably the most, uh, the highest ceiling of the bunch of guys coming over. And Santiago Sosa will be going to Atlanta United who are really investing. So it's all good to see all these teams kind of coming in strong. And then most recently, the biggest name, Alexandre Pato, Pacho, from Orlando City, the duck, who, it was a decade, he's only 31, so this is a guy who got a very early start, but about 10 years ago, 
he was he was one of the top 10 strikers in the world. Maybe, you know, I mean, he was playing in Italy for Milan and he was great. Now he's bounced around a bit. I think he fell out of love with the game a bit. And now he's going to have a, a one-year deal, 27 caps for Brazil with Orlando, who also signed a high-profile Brazilian back of the day in Kaká. So I think Pato is going to be a guy we're going to want to watch. Does he translate well and score goals? I'm not sure. When we can start selling tickets, will he sell tickets? I think he will because people are intrigued. It's still a big name. And to me, top of the list is a guy who needed a change of scenery, and he will get it here. And uh, I'm excited to see him play for an Orlando team that made a big push last year and hoping to do it uh, a little further. A couple of our former players. Well, Brian Rodriguez is not a former player. He's still owned by LAFC, and the plan is to have him back as a designated player. Um, he made the bench for Almeria in the second division, and I encourage us all to follow along to see what role he plays there because if he can help them get promoted, that's big business for LAFC. And Almeria, without Brian, beat Las Palmas 3-1. to one. And this is something that's happened the last few weeks. I don't know if anyone's paying attention. I was alerted by Vince LaRosa that Marco Ureña is playing for the Central Coast Mariners in the Australian A-League, and he's starting. And Central Coast is in first place. Not scoring goals yet. <laughs> Not scoring goals, but, you know, Marco's a guy that earns his keep without scoring goals, even though he's a forward. He obviously would be a lot better if he scored goals, and we remember that for LAFC as he, he pressed so hard to get it. I'm pulling for Marco because he's a lovely man, and it's good to see him uh, continue his career there and uh, playing a beautiful part of the world. I don't know if you knew this. I actually lived in Australia when I was a kid from five years old to 12. I had a full Australian accent. I played all the Commonwealth sports, but I was an American kid by and large and glad to be back. So I keep an eye on all things Australian. I, I, I play rugby and I, I like to watch cricket. I know. I was actually watching India-England cricket. It's lasted forever. Actually, no, India is very good. India is... India is the best team in my estimation in the world right now. And that's hard for someone whose allegiances are with Australia with that. But I, I digress to steal a word, word from Mark Rogandino. Just a couple of tidbits before we get into the conversation with uh, John. Great photo I saw of the District Ultras, the District 9 Ultras rolling out the TIFO from back in the day. If you haven't seen it, it's on their account on Instagram or LAFC or also or, or on Twitter and also on the LAFC account which they reposted it. Great to see the fans still engaged and working hard, and we're going to be completely whole here very soon. Happy birthday to Remy Martin. Things didn't go great in League Series 2, which was won by Diddy Crislito of New York City FC, but we know Remy is going to work hard and get back in there, and big competition about getting there as well. We're pulling for him. I was also thrilled to see Kelvin Gastelum, victorious, at UFC 258, Kelvin with LA Ties, Mexican family, tough guy, needed a victory, and he got it. And LAFC, on top of it, actually wished him well, showing the footage of when he sat in in the North End with a 32-52. Great guy. Maybe I'll get him on the podcast, but uh, he's, a, he's a guy I think should do what we do in the not-too-distant future here uh, on the content side. So congratulations to them. I think we're all caught up here. And I got to talk a little bit about this is a you know podcast I get to talk about. So I want to talk about those South American players and what lies ahead. Exciting times for all involved. Coming up next, we'll we'll empty the chamber with John Thorrington, talk about everything about the club 
And now with the CBA behind us, how we get ready for the beginning of preseason and the season, which will be, again, a season like no others. But I think a season with some cathartic elements as we come out of this pandemic to somewhat of a a more normal life, not completely like before, but certainly closer to normal where we will be able to cross paths again. We're very optimistic. I am optimistic. I hope you are. Everyone's staying safe out there, doing their part, and we'll see about how things get rolled out. Don't want to talk too much about this, but it's part of our everyday life, and it's kind of hard to separate the two. When we return, my interview with John Thorrington. This is Inside LAFC. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It makes a big difference for all of us. Appreciate all those who've been listening. We'll be right back. We are back here on Inside LAFC, and this is always a very special program when we get to bring in John Thorrington, our general manager, co-president of the club, more so because uh, we're in the midst of a, a an off-season that is going to set the table, like a season like no other, and I know things have been very busy for you, John. Uh, how, how, are, how are things holding up? Because most people, when you think the off-season, you take a step back. I imagine it's the, the, the exact opposite for you. It could be as busy as any time of your year. Yes, certainly that is the case. It's not necessarily an off-season, and in typical years, we are spent. We spend most of our time looking and finding ways to improve the squad, and that involves a lot of travel, a lot of scouting, etc. So it was different this year in that there was no travel, but certainly the priority remained as to how we could improve the group. As has been the case the majority of our time here, there wasn't a lot of tweaking to do, or there wasn't other than, other than some minor tweaking, there wasn't much to do, but we were, we are excited about the additions we have been able to make. The additional variables of how COVID's playing out, how the schedule would come about, et cetera, made for some less than ideal uh, uh, planning um, process, but but look, we got there. It makes sense as to why and how we're scheduling the season. Now that we have that, we've got a preseason date uh, set. We've got a rough idea without the specifics of where we're playing. We, we know what the season will look like. And yeah, we're just really excited to bring in some of these new guys and, and get started in the next couple of weeks. And it was pretty active with regard with regards to players uh, coming into the club. And I certainly want to get your thoughts on that. But let me let me ask you about you mentioned no traveling in this this time during the pandemic. How has your day to day changed? Is it are there things that you're going to change permanently? Are there things that you have done that have challenged you to help you or hinder you do your job that you kind of have to take into consideration now moving forward? Yeah, sorry. The, the the question as to how how we adapt. How yeah, it's it, yeah, and it, it, an adaptions question by and large. Where I, I think we all go through that. Where it's more so you, where we're going through a, a period here where the way you do your job may change, or things that you do that you've seen during this time that you will bring into your day to day. Yeah, well, I think just and this is not unique to sports, but I was just talking this morning, as I said. Typically, this time of year, I'm literally flying around everywhere, South America, Europe, Asia, as you go through your, your scouting process. And while I, I don't want to say that's going to go away completely, 
I do think we have found ways to be efficient in the absence of that. And I think we'll take some of those learnings moving forward once we are able, hopefully in the not too distant future, to be flying commercially again all over the place. And so, so that's one thing. I also think the just meetings, I think, you know, there were three, four times a year where we would all gather in one location as a group of GMs, whether it be in New York or some central location where, again, I think there is still a need for things like that. And we certainly miss the face-to-face -face connectivity that you do not get through a screen, much like we're doing now. And, and I miss that. And it's not the same, but I do think there are efficiencies to be found. And that's, that's not unique to us. I think the what I'm grateful for, contrary to other industries, is we have been able, not even just contrary to other industries, you know, I'm, I'm here at our training facility where through testing and very strict protocol, we are able to keep some semblance of our working life going, whereas our business office is completely shut down. And that's the reality for most. So we're certainly grateful and, and we, that's not taken for granted that we're able to continue to function. And it does take a lot of focused effort, protocol, testing, et cetera, to enable that. But we are grateful for that, but certainly are looking forward to the light that I do believe is rapidly approaching at the end of the tunnel. I have some friends who uh, do a lot of business in Mexico and as is his tradition there, deals get done in person at the dinner table, maybe with a salute of a tequila, a shake of the hand. They go, that's how we do it. Otherwise things don't get done. And they've had to change the way they, they do it. And they are, they are certainly getting things under their belt, but they do look forward to still yeah. <laughs> doing things. Yeah, I, think, I think what, what I miss, frankly, Max is, you know, right now you have to set everything up very formally and it's yeah. like, let's get on the calendar. Let's set it up 10 o'clock Tuesday. And you miss the informal just passing by people. Everything is formal. It has an agenda. And I think so much value of relationships, of decisions, of deals comes in that informal water cooler type chat where <clears throat> it's not planned. It's spontaneous. And yeah, we, we certainly miss that. And I, I do as well. The time at the Performance Center, I get a lot of my work done. I've been there for a couple hours. I'd, I'd speak to you. I'd speak to Max Odenheimer. I'd speak to the coaches. And it's a remarkable how it sticks going through that process. So that's a, been a void for me. But we've managed, but I do look forward to, to being there with you guys and, and going about our business the way we used to with, yeah. you know, with some situations that are certainly going to change uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future. I know you're coming out of CBA negotiations that get ratified. Obviously there's a lot at stake there, but just curious, how does someone, how does your day, how do you prepare for something like the CBA negotiations, which now have set the table where we can return here for training in about three weeks time? Yeah, frankly, the, the process is, is a bit odd in that we are not a part of the conversations. Obviously that's between the players and the league and, and management. So we're not privy to every detail. We are made aware as needed for planning purposes. So we, all we just say here is we have to plan as though we're starting on that date to be ready in the event that is the date. And obviously we're hopeful that a mutually beneficial solution um, results in the outcome of the negotiations, et cetera. And we were grateful to see, you know, we, we can get up and running here in the next couple of weeks. 
I, as a player, uh, as an executive on the, within the, with the players association, I certainly have experience and understand what that process is like. And I, again, not being a part of it in the same, at the same, to the same degree, uh, this go round, I know, uh, I do know what those are like, and I'm, I'm just grateful that we do have some clarity as to when we can start and getting up and up and running uh, and get back playing, which is what everybody wants. So we'll go through the schedule really briefly here. So the, 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 the preseason starts in three weeks time. How is the club getting ready for that? Cause we, we certainly do know there's still going to be restrictions due to the COVID pandemic. How, how seamless do you think that will be so that you guys can get going in a, in a very, a regular manner that you have in years past? Yeah, so guys here are, there's some guys that are in market and essentially our guys are used to this now that we went through this for from March of last year as to how the process worked. So guys, as they return, if they have left market and return here, they have to go through a quarantine period. They have to go through a testing cycle and, and meet those requirements prior to coming back to the facility starting their individual workouts, small group workouts before we start team training. And so that process now is underway now that we have those dates. Our medical staff and our doctors and everybody are working very hard to ensure the safety of the athletes and communicating those protocols, which not much has changed, frankly, from when we said, good, said our goodbyes last December. And so I think we'll, we'll pick that back up rather seamlessly. What will be interesting now is seeing how things change as vaccinations roll out, as hopefully more fans are allowed, et cetera, and how um, the year will incrementally change with good news on numbers going down, on vaccinations going up, et cetera. And the hope for us is that we're bullish that at some point this year, the sooner the better, we are experiencing again what we've all missed so much at Bank California Stadium. This will lead us to the season, which was going to be April 3rd. The negotiations pushed it back April 17th, which made sense because that date's going to be here sooner than, than you will realize. The season, the regular season will end no early November. Uh, and I know the league's looking to get those 34 games in. So what do you, how do you expect the season to look like? How demanding will it be? And, uh, we mentioned with fans, uh, optimism certainly by some point in the season where we'll be able to get some folks into Bank of California. Yeah, so this is obviously not a professional medical opinion, nor am I the decision maker at the league with these types of things, but it does make sense that we would try to find the right balance where we are structuring a schedule in such a way that we're giving the vaccine a chance to enable us to have as many games as possible with as many fans as we can safely hold within stadiums and obviously local restrictions apply, etc. And you have to balance that with the fixture congestion where you don't want to be playing every day for the last 34 days heading into November, which is too taxing on the players would compromise the quality on the field. So I think the league has done a good job uh, alongside along with the players in, in finding that right balance as to how we can how we can structure the calendar to welcome our supporters back hopefully sooner rather than later and for, and structuring the schedule in such a way where we can uh, have 
more games when more fans are able to attend. It's there are going to be other things within the season. And I know it doesn't really affect you. We obviously the, the CONCACAF Champions League this year won't have LAFC. The League's Cup from last I checked won't have LAFC. The All-Star Game uh, still to be determined uh, to be played here. Games, stuff outside of international call-ups too, stuff outside of the LAFC schedule. How how difficult will it be to accommodate all those things? Or as you said, with the league being able to open it up and do a good job knowing when these things are going to come along. Yeah, I think that will all be a part of the rollout. Of the, you, you have to look at things holistically. You have those that are in Champions League. You have Leagues Cup. You have the All-Star Game. You have Open Cup. You have international windows, et cetera. And that, again, is about finding that balance of understanding when guys are going to be away. You have the Gold Cup this year. So a lot of variables go into the decision-making calculus is how you put the schedule together, which is no easy task, I can assure you. So for us, we, we always have to deal with international windows. Last year, we had um, some unfortunate absences at certain times where we had to play and we understood that. And as we've all had to learn to do, we adapt and, and make the most of, of whichever situation we're faced with. And this year, that'll be no different. We have international breaks. Um, we'll have a, um, you know, a busy calendar because by definition, we pushed the season back and we're still, uh, the plan is to play every game. So I think um, for us, it will pose some challenges, but I think having been through last year, I, uh, we will, I think, be in a better place to cope with all of these things that in the short term COVID throws at us. And I also think we've made decisions in such a way to also help. Uh, I think we're a deeper group. I think, um, you know, guys that we brought here last year now have a year under their belt, which was a very atypical year, but we have more guys that are used to what the reality is in this short term. And, and we've added pieces that I think will really help us um, both in the short medium, both in the short term and in the long term. I know you and the players and the coaches have their hands full, but as a fan, this is a, this, this year is going to be, I mean, there's never going to be a dull moment. There's going to be games coming every direction, big tournaments, uh, a saturation point, certainly for, you know, the, the, the dry spots we had in 2020. So certainly yeah. something to look forward to for all of us who love this game. Busy off season for you with players. I want to get your thoughts, and I know you you made some of them publicly about the additions. I'll go over them quickly. Kim Moon Juan uh, coming over from the K League, Corey Baird of uh, general allocation money from Real Salt Lake, permanent transfer for Jesus Murillo, and we could also throw the MLS Super Draft as well with the hopes that Danny Trejo, Daniel Trejo, can can make this club. We we spoke with him on our Instagram live show, and he is a delightful young man. So whomever you want to talk about that group of guys to solidify this team and why it was so important to get those guys. Yeah. Well, I think for us, when we, we always take a step back at the end of the year and during the year to, to determine how it is we can best strengthen the group and improve the group. And last year was an interesting exercise because you, you try to do your best to isolate how much of the team's performance is isolated to COVID because you don't want to be making decisions based just on that. But certainly, you know, we made decisions last year with a picture of what last year would look like. And because that's not what we planned for, it is logical that it did not go according to plan. 
So, you know, we made some decisions that we probably would not have made had we had a crystal ball and said, look, we're not now trying to go from this success in 2019 and make some decisions to get even better. Last year just became about survival. And I think we did show at times and it was incredibly gratifying to see, while not the ultimate outcome we wanted in the Champions League, the teams returned to form in, in December and show what, how we can compete and what we're all really about. Because a lot of last year, honestly, was, I, I, I'm belaboring the term, was just about survival, just kind of staying afloat. And, you know, you had, you're putting guys in positions where they're playing way more games than they normally would, guys that typically wouldn't be playing as much, all these sorts of things that no excuse because every team had to deal with it. But we certainly would have made different decisions a year ago had we had all this information to hand as to what the year would look like. And so this year it's a bit of a hybrid year because we'll still have COVID, but then we hope that we'll be coming out of it. And so the decisions we made, as I say, are both with the short and uh, the short term um, challenge we faced with COVID, but then looking, looking further ahead. So I would say in, in each, in, in, for different reasons, adding moon is a huge addition for us at, at right back. And he's a player we've looked at for 18 months or more. And, and for different reasons, we, we weren't able to execute until this offseason. I know we're, very, we're all excited. Our supporters are incredibly excited about, about him. Marco Farfan from Portland is another key addition. The, uh, finalizing the, and securing the full transfer of Jesus is, is key for us. Uh, looking further up the field at guys like Raheem Edwards, Corey Baird, a couple of our draft picks. Tomas Romero is a young American goalkeeper that, that we think has a bright future ahead of him. So we have all of that. And then we also are looking at the next generation of academy graduates, which I just feel so sorry for these kids that have lost a year of their competition mm. at the academy level. But we have uh, three to four prospects like we had last year at this time. That we are uh, that we're monitoring very closely and seeing as to whether they can make the jump to a professional contract and are um, uh, and signing with us. So there, yes, there's a lot going on. I think we're excited for different reasons about all of the all of the new signings, and also excited for those that joined us at different times last year to see. We often have this. Um, th th their uh, acclimation period takes some time it differs um per player but yeah we're, we're very excited with what i think we'll see out of the group this year and you mentioned the next generation of academy players and we did have the news pretty recently about the trio uh duenas torres and leone getting to train with the mexican uh, under 17 squad it wasn't necessarily a game but what kind of experience is that uh, I, I texted todd saldana about it and you know it's it's pretty big to be in that facility with the best Mexican under 17 players. What do you think those that trio is going to bring back from that experience? Yeah, I look, I think all three of those players have really acclimated well in the first team environment last year. We signed them over the summer and they made great strides. And I think for for them and for us, it's about finding the right number of games for them and training environments, et cetera. And national team experience is huge for these young players and they're both eligible for us and Mexico. And I'm not surprised given the talent of that, that all three possess that they are getting noticed by, by both national team 
groups and yeah the experience they will have had will serve them well um they they all three did very well and equipped themselves well in in camp and we're excited to see their growth as well as i think there are a few coming um behind them as well which which we're excited about uh, one player brian rodriguez did leave uh, on loan to Almeria in the Spanish second division. I actually, I'm trying to find Spanish second division games now, but I follow them online. He was on the bench. He did not play, but I'm key. I'm excited to keep tabs on what he can do. And this, you know, let's, the facts are major league soccer. We're not going to have games till April. How valuable is it for a player like Brian to get games for uh, probably as quickly here as the month of February and how for to, to help fine tune his game. Yeah. So for us, as we have said consistently, we're, we are always looking for the right solutions for our players and we take everything on a case by case basis. There was a lot of interest in loan opportunities and, and, and purchase opportunities for our players. And, and we sit down and we, we discuss with each player. Sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, we thought it's a great opportunity for Brian to get some games to go and play. You know, those promotion chasing campaigns are just great experience for a player. We know it's a club that really likes Brian that we think will set it up for success and, and we'll see how it goes. And I certainly think Brian has the potential to be a top, top player in, in Europe. And so this made sense. And, and we were grateful we, we could conclude that deal right at the deadline for Brian and you know we're, we're still in touch he's happy with how things have gone he's made the bench already and we're hopeful that starting um this weekend he'll start to play a part and and hopefully help them gain promotion just a, a sidebar a lot of players from MLS getting these loan deals uh specifically we Jordan Mars Paul Ariola at Swansea we see Daryl DK who's now starting for Barnsley obviously loans make sense for these clubs uh, how has this changed your business perspective or do you, not so much you, but the perspective of major league soccer, a where clubs in Europe are starting to see the value where they can get these guys on loans. And by all accounts, these three players are earning their keep the three American players. Yeah. And how is this like a moment in time where this is how business is done? Or do you think this is something that that relationship will continue to grow? Yeah. I, I'd say like much of, like most of everything right now, we're starting to see that we are adapting to current reality and some aspects of it, I think will continue once we're out of COVID, but um, others I do think are specific to this window. I mean, if you were to ask me a year ago, would we have been open to Brian Rodriguez going on alone? I probably would have said, no, that doesn't make sense. We're, <laughs> we're waiting to sell him, but you have to adapt. And, and as anybody will tell you this, this market right now is deflated to the point where you need to find some creative solutions. And thankfully we were able to get to an economic deal that made sense for us and made sense for Brian, made sense for uh, Amaria. So we were, we were happy to adapt and, and execute. I don't, I think, I do think part of it is certainly um, the availability of the, the lack of liquidity in the market makes loans more sensible right now. Now, whether that, Remains to be the case in the future. I hope it's not, because I do believe that the, the the market will recover and you will start to see a return to normal. I mean, I saw one statistic at the fraction of business that was done in England this year as opposed to 12 months ago. It was like 20% or something. And you saw it. There was no chatter of anything happening. And 
that is just because of a COVID depression, which makes sense. And look, we'll yeah. adapt, we'll get through this. And then I think the market will start to recover in, in the windows to come. I was, they show the Sky Sports transfer uh, deadline show on NBC Sports and I was watching it and usually have these these blockbuster moves and those weren't, those weren't happening. But the, the savvy moves that many clubs did in certain situations, I found fascinating because you've got to, especially if you're in the, in the loan, if you're in the championship or in the second division of these leagues, you've got to try and get promoted. And a lot of those clubs really seize that moment, but it was interesting, but we'll see what happens. Obviously it's going to change for the next, the next marketplace, but it was a, uh, it was a good practice to see how our business was done from my perspective as the fan. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the CONCACAF champions league and how close LAFC came did you watch uh, the Club World Cup at all? Did you tune in yeah. a little bit? And Tigres gave it a great run. I can't say it was a very pleasant experience for me to watch, but I did, <laughs> I did watch. I think they all. I think all LAFC did. But uh, is there that silver lining to see the team that LAFC narrowly lost to being able to beat the champions of South America in Palmeiras and give Bayern a real run? I mean, the goal that Bayern scored was. Uh, was reviewed or it, it, it was, it was an odd goal certainly, but you know, it's not far fetched that Tigres could have grabbed the ring there at the end. Yeah, I think, look, that, that was, and I, I credit Tigres for their performances there to beat um, the teams they did and, and to go on the run they did. I certainly, well, it was record setting, which, which I, I credit them and they're uh, an organization, a team we have a high level of respect for. But yes, it would have. It was absolutely natural and was a well-worn path for all of us to be picturing us there and what it what could have been, which serves as motivation now. I think we, as I say, I think it, it was really odd, and I've said this before, that oddly it was more painful to be that close and feel like we should have won, which big picture, that's the better place to be in than just to be like, you're better than us and we're not, we're not good enough. But that, that still stung in a different and more painful way that we were saying, yes, we had the team to do it. We were in position to do it. And a player two, we didn't execute. And then now we're watching Tigres play Bayern Munich. And that's painful, but that is the beauty of sport. It's that, like that pain is directly related to the joy that you get when you win. And that certainly serves as motivation for us to get back on the saddle here in a few weeks and, and make sure that we are the ones competing for those trophies. Sorry to drudge it all up, but it was, a, it was an interesting moment yeah. in, in time, certainly. Just as, a, as a, a sidebar here with regards to Liga MX and that relationship, how do you see it going over the next couple of years? Obviously, there was a lot of momentum before COVID uh, with regards to the two leagues, but how do you see Liga MX, Major League Soccer, picking up this relationship, which... To me, and I think so many other people see a high tide rising all boats. Totally agree. I think everybody sees the mutual benefit of closer alignment between the two leagues, increased number of games, increased competition. I think it's incredibly exciting for both leagues, for all the supporters involved. I mean, the amount of attention in L.A. that our club got from the America game, the Cruz Azul game, uh, and then going all the way back to the, to the Leon game, it's a different level of attention and a different level of competition and certainly gave us a lot to be proud of 
last year, I'd say that was those were the high points of our of our season against the best that our region has to offer. And uh, given how it ended, and I'm I'm saying this again, it gives us added motivation um, to get back there. I will say this, and I speak on behalf of all the LAFC supporters and the LAFC family. What a thrill that week was. There's obviously the disappointing end, but to get those games in rapid fire coming in and being able to mark your calendar was a, a thrilling way to, 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 to enjoy the holiday season and certainly look forward to reliving that again. And maybe as soon as 2022, we shall see. I know there's the Champions League. The Concord Champions League is going to be expanded for 2023. So exciting things on that horizon. John, I've, I've had you for long enough. I know we covered a lot of ground. I appreciate your time and and your honesty and your forthrightness with, with us every time. So the offseason never ends. We look forward to seeing the guys out there in a couple of weeks, and hopefully we get to spend some time with you there at the Performance Center in the not-too-distant future. Look forward to it, Max. Thanks. Great to be with you. All right, John Thorington, our general manager, co-president of LAFC, joining us on Inside AFC. Make sure you, you check it out, tell a friend, rate and review, and we'll continue to have great guests like John here in the foreseeable future. Have a great day, everyone.